Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the three tax steps that you should consider making here in the fourth quarter. But before we dive into that, Mr. Collins, I just heard the the lovely sound of you opening up your beer. What, what are you drinking right now? Uh, today, I will be drinking Born and Raised. It's an IPA by No Lie. Are you drinking the same thing? <laughs> nice. So for those listeners, uh, Alex and I did not coordinate uh, this one today. So uh, we used to drink the same beer every episode. And uh, it's been like, what, the last month, month and a half that we've just kind of like uh, decided that we were going to drink whatever we had on hand, like whatever we were feeling in the moment. And so you and I were drinking different things. Uh, but today we're drinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So No, no Lies is a solid brewery. I, I'm a big fan of theirs. Um as you're as you're choking, <laughs> yeah. Don't mind me. I, I <laughs> inhaled a bunch of foam. Yeah. So again, no lie. Uh, born and raised. It's a IPA. If I'm not mistaken, it's a higher alcohol content. Alex, it's a seven percent uh, alcohol content. So um, I mean, it's not crazy high because we've had ten percent <laughs> once before. Uh, but it, it's a solid. Like the color of it, I really enjoy. You can see the color on YouTube here. It's almost like an amber color more than yeah. a, a typical IPA, but definitely check them out. Um, my uh, bottle cap rating of this is, is going to be an eight out of 10 for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a nine. I love this beer. This is just, it's, this is one of the IPAs that I go back to over and over again. Um, I know a bunch of people have talked about like, Oh, how no lie went corporate and they're no longer a microbrew and what? Nope. No lies still a great brewery. Um, it's it may have changed, but man, it's still just good beer. Yeah, I I agree. I agree one hundred percent. So so let's get into today's recording. Right, like it's fourth quarter. We're recording this on October second, um, so you'll probably be getting this uh, this episode probably a little bit later this month. Um, but a lot of times, Alex, you know, when we're dealing with our clients, we we tend to talk about in the fourth quarter like taxes, like what are we looking like for this year. Right? Have we maxed yep. out? We've we've got this conversation set up, so we're also planning for next year uh, and, and years beyond. And so, there's three things that we tend to look at with our clients, um, and the first one is reviewing 401k. Yeah, and there's a couple different things inside of 401k that we're looking at. Um, I, and this is again, this is just specific to uh, taxes, not anything else to do with the 401k. Um, you know, it's really taking a look at like, okay, what are the things that are going to affect taxes this year, taxes this year, sorry, taxes this year, taxes next year, or um, cash flow in the future. Um, so the first thing that we've got is a conversation around Roth versus traditional. And like one of the things that we should note is that you and I are going to dive heavier into each one of these conversations uh, in future episodes. So this is going to be designed as kind of a high level overview. Um Roth, it's we don't get the tax deduction uh, in the year in which we put it in. It continues to grow tax deferred. And when we pull it out for qualified retirement expenses, it comes out income tax free. Uh, there are ways to make it taxable. Don't do that. Consult your tax advisor before being silly and doing bad things with your 401k. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Roth is is. Uh, after tax going in, gross tax deferred, and it's after tax when it comes out. Again, a lot, as long as you do it properly. Traditional is exactly the opposite. You get a tax deduction today, 
Uh, it grows tax deferred, but then you pay taxes on every dollar that come out on the back end. Uh, essentially, this is a, a tax conversation of would you rather pay the taxes at today's rates or at tomorrow's rates? Uh, we don't know what tomorrow's rates are going to be. Um, there is this massive myth that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Um, what we have found is that if you're successful, you'll be in the same high, same or higher tax bracket in retirement. Um, and that is with tax brackets not changing. Uh, if taxes go up, then you're going to be in a worse bracket, period. Yeah. I mean, the big thing here is... It- and I think we say this in almost every episode, I'm hoping people are hearing it, right? Like, do you want to get to retirement or even just like living your life with all of your money in one basket, right? And specifically in this conversation, one basket that is taxed one way, right? Either when you pull it out or before you put it in. And the the question is, is when you get to, because we don't know, we often talk about having balance, having different buckets of money that are taxed differently. And so when we're talking about Roth versus traditional, oftentimes by the time we sit down with a client, they've got a lot of their money in the traditional side because that's just what everyone reads to do, or it's the default in the plan. And so they get, they, you know, they're 45, 50 years old and almost all their money has been tax deferred. So now it's a conversation of, okay, how do we get some of this money possibly in a tax-free? Maybe we do some Roth conversions, right? Where we actually take some of the, the tax-deferred money, pay the taxes on it today, and now it's in, a, in the Roth bucket so that you can set your up to have at least some maybe different levers to pull when you get to retirement, right? Because it's not just the taxes on the money you're taking out of the 401k. It's also how does that affect the taxes possibly on your social security, or if you social have a pension. security, pension, rental income, other assets, like the the amount of tax that you pay on your four hundred one k distributions affects the rate of tax that you pay on everything else as well. Which a lot of people forget; they're only looking at the the rate of tax you pay on the four hundred one k. And I get that that's the majority of you know maybe the money that you're going to live on, but there's still other money. Mm-hmm. like social security that's coming in the door, you have to take, or you should be taking that into consideration. Yeah. And there's other benefits where like your Roth dollars may wind up not counting towards other components um, or other taxable income levels that that may or may not be important to you. Um, so that's uh, one of the critical things is to take a look at, at Roth versus traditional. Uh, the second is did you max out your 401k benefits? Um, We've got a bunch of clients that they don't like messing around with like trying to calculate uh, how much needs to go into their 401k. And so sometime between August and October every year, they max out their 401k and the company no longer allows them to make contributions to it. Or they're putting it in the after-tax contribution. And we're not talking about Roth, meaning it's, it's after tax and that still is taxable when you, when you pull it out, because it's going in as a non-deductible contribution into the plan. Again, are you aware of that? Like we catch it all the time where the the client sends us a statement. They're like, yeah, I don't know what that after tax contribution thing is. (laughs) Right. And so you got to know when you've hit that max and should you do that, right? Every person's different from that standpoint. Well, and if you did hit that max and now you've got extra dollars in your paycheck, 
what are you doing with that free cash flow? Like, are you intentionally saving it or is it just going to spending? And either way is fine as long as it's a purposeful decision. Correct. Just like normally around August timeframe again, sometimes earlier, Social Security tax is done being taken out of your paycheck. Depending so on what you're extra money is, yeah. in your paycheck, did you even account for that? Right. And again, as Americans, we tend to be goldfish. Whatever comes in the door, we tend to spend for goldfish. However big the bull is, they will grow to fit the bull. Um, so it, it's you know important that we're making good cash flow decisions and we we create systems to intentionally capture the the extra cash flow so that it gets spent in the way that you want it to be, whether that's spending it on savings or spending it on your family or whatever else. When you said goldfish, like you just turned into a goldfish in my head and you were talking about mice. <laughs> That's why I started laughing. <laughs> if we could edit the video and turn you into a goldfish for the YouTube channel for that, that'd be great. <laughs> we'll see what uh, what Magic Jessica can do with yes. us. <laughs> okay, m- moving on. <laughs> um, and the, the, last, the last component of 401k, uh, and we're seeing this more and more, is that there's changes that are occurring inside of clients' 401k plans. Um, so whether your company changed their 401k plan, um, the question becomes, okay, d- did they take the match away? Does that mean that we should continue to contribute or not? Or what else could or should we do with the dollars? Uh, if they added more of a match, are we you know, taking advantage of that? Have they messed around with the contributions that are inside of it? Did they add Roth? Did they add any of the new components that are now available as part of Secure 2.0? Um, like when was the last time that you reviewed your plan document and understand like whether you can do things like conversions inside of the plan or whatever else? Um, you know, we as routinely, folks- when we're working with our clients, we ask for their summary plan description. We routinely show people different items that they didn't know existed in their plan. Yeah. And like sometimes we can go ahead and uh, do things like you know, roll dollars out of the 401k plan as we get closer to retirement. Um, and that then provides more choice, more flexibility, more downside protection, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and we can start to, you know, create a an income plan as we get closer and closer to needing these funds and, you know, really craft the plan that you're looking for uh, to, to make your future exactly what you want it to be. Absolutely. What Chase says to number two in, in this three tax steps to take for the fourth quarter, I realized I kind of jumped the gun. And number two is talking about- I'm shocked. Yeah, shocker, I know. I get excited. excited. You know, should you consider a Roth conversion? That's a conversation to have. Like, I don't know how many times we, we have conversations with people that are that are retired that their required minimum distributions are about to turn on and they're looking at us like, I don't want it and I don't want to pay taxes on it. But they made this decision 30 years ago to start putting money into this bucket and didn't take that into consideration in terms of just flexibility. So that's not to say that everyone's like that, but that's just another example of how much flexibility do you have in your plan, not only today, but 20, 30 years from now. And when all of your money's in one bucket, I know I'm beating a dead horse here. (laughs) I'm going to drop the bomb on it at this point. But when all of your money's in one bucket, you just lose that flexibility. I mean, 
can we all be so lucky as to be required to take more income and not need it and or want it? I know it sounds really stupid that I said that, but legitimately an issue for a lot of our clients that are retired. A hundred percent. And like most of them, when we start talking about it, they're like, yeah, I don't want to pay more than I have to in taxes. And then we start talking about, okay, well, what's the alternative? And we start going into like some of the estate planning and we talk about like what it's going to mean for the next generation. And they're like, oh, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah, let's figure out some solution because that's not that's not what I want. That's not good. Yeah. So, real quick example of that, Alex, because some of our listeners may not understand what you just said. If if you have a retirement account, let's just say that retirement account is designated to go to your son, right? So you pass away, your son gets that that money. They've got this ten year window that they have to spend that money down. Your son or daughter is working. If they inherit that money in their 40s or 50s, they might be making good money, which means now they're going to have to take extra money that is taxable to them because the government mandates them to take over a 10-year period of time, and they're going to pay at their maybe a higher tax rate today because they're taking that extra money. What So if they fall in their fifties or maybe early sixties, they're going to be at the peak of their earnings potential or typically at the peak of their earnings potential. That is not the time that we want to be adding extra dollars on top of an income. And so like we have to get, try to be creative and figure out like, okay, what are the ways that we can go ahead and, you know, reduce, defer, uh, continue to like structure things in a way to benefit, um, and accomplish what what you're looking for. Uh, we're talking to a, a couple clients right now that they're looking at it, going, "Oh, hey, I've got some significant tax issues." They're not even necessarily looking at in ordinary income; they're looking at it from like an estate tax issue. Um, and like when their goals are hand- passing on as much as they can to their their heirs, like, okay, great, let's let's do some planning around how do we like accelerate this. And when we talk about accelerating it, we're usually talking about paying more in the way of federal income tax. And that's not the way that most people think about it. And real quick heads up, when we say state tax, that could be federal. That could also be state. And Washington, we've got a state estate tax. Um, So married couple, you know, you're looking at uh, state estate taxes at about uh, uh, four. Well, two, two. 2.2 2.2 roughly, just under 2.2 each. Um, so a married couple is about 4.4 4, um, if done if planning is done properly. Yep. But yeah, I mean, we're still – it that's a big number. But at the same time with real estate around here and a lot of the wealth that we have – It's in really it, not. It isn't. Um, like we're talking to like the millionaire next door type folks where like they're like, oh, yeah, no, I was just a, you know, a blue-collar worker or, you know – just a you know white collar worker who did my time and you know I just want to make sure I've got enough money left over to to be able to take care of everything and they then find out that they're subject to like 20 to 30% taxes if they pass it on and it's just like oh that's brutal yeah so these are all of the things that you know you should be looking at when you're looking at your money a where you're putting money today and and thinking about for the future and then b for this fourth quarter looking at that, that Roth conversion aspect, which takes us to, you were going to say something else. 
What so the Roth conversions are a great concept, but there's a cost to them. We're pulling that that income into today's income and we have to make sure that we're not creating a surprise tax bill come next April 15th. Yeah, there's got to be a planning aspect there for sure because you don't the last thing you want is like what do you, what do you mean I owe an extra 10 grand in taxes? Exactly. So. I, that's that's fine. It, that might be really good planning. But if we don't have 10 grand, it's not going to help. Then we need to make sure <laughs> Right. Right. That that stops being good planning. Um so we just need to make sure that we understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're doing it. 100%. Which takes us to number three. And number three is tax loss harvesting, which it, I don't know. Every time someone says it, it's like the new thing to talk about, uh, especially last year with you know when the market was down, is it, it became overplayed, this tax loss harvesting. And it's not to say that it's not a, a good strategy, I just think that too many people hear that and they think it's something more than it actually is. And so why don't, why don't we explain tax loss harvesting to begin with, Alex, and then talk about how to look at it for this fourth quarter. Sure. So the basic concept of tax loss harvesting is selling investments that are down and realizing the capital gains loss, um, whether that's short-term or long-term, that can help us offset uh, capital gains. It can create tax benefits. Um, and it, it's something that can add value during times when the market's down. And that's usually a good thing. Um, now, we have to like make sure that we're trying to line up the, the losses in years that we would want to take them, um, especially if we're dealing with somebody with variable income. A lot of our clients have variable income, whether that is uh, you know, variable pay or for more of our clients, it's actually has to do with like uh, company stock options, whether that's RSUs, options, grants, yeah, it's equity compensation that a lot of our clients can, can have access to. And so like, because last year was a down year, some of their stocks haven't actually recuperated, right? Haven't actually, they were down last year. They're not breaking even just yet. So there is an aspect of tax loss harvesting going on. Uh, right now, even still to, to take advantage of maybe some of the stocks vesting this year, right? So if stocks vested last year that are down still, mm-hmm. and then stocks are up that vested this year are up. Now you can kind of counterbalance how much you owe in taxes. Yeah. And like, this is also a great time for a conversation around the difference between short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. Uh, we definitely want to try and push gains into long-term if we're able to. Yeah. Uh, it's also something where in the state of Washington, they recently enacted a, a new capital gains tax of an extra 7%. Um, now it comes with a pretty big caveat, and that is that the first $250,000 per year is exempted. Um, and so one of the tactics here might be not tax loss harvesting, but tax gain harvest or capital gain harvesting, um, where we're intentionally reducing down the amount of gains that we have inside of a position to make sure that we're staying under that $250,000 limit or threshold, uh, because that's going to provide more flexibility, more freedom, less taxation down the road, or less potential taxation down the road uh, by showing it now. Um, and like this is not pull your money from the market and bury it in the back, 
in the backyard or in a bank account or anything of that nature. Uh, the, the basic concept here is uh, shift it out of one investment and into another, uh, but realize the gain um, or realize the loss for tax purposes. This has to be done in concert with your CPA or tax advisor. Uh, like your financial advisor, financial planner can help out with this and it should not be anything that you do on your own. It shouldn't be something that you do just with your financial planner. Do this with a, a tax professional. 100%. So real quick review, right? The three step tax steps to, to consider this fourth quarter is reviewing your 401k, right? What are the options? Were there any plan changes? Have you maxed out your benefit? If you maxed out your benefit, what are you doing with the extra cash flow? Number two, should you be considering a Roth conversion? Or I guess the opposite effect is maybe you should be putting more money into, into traditional, right? Like, again, analyze your tax situation and what's going on and what your balance sheet looks like. And then number three, consider tax loss harvesting depending on your your stocks and, and investment accounts and, and taking advantage of that aspect. If you've got stocks that are up and stocks that are down, mitigating the tax implications there, short-term and long-term capital gains. Which takes us to the question of the day, Mr. Collins. Our question today is what steps do you take at the end of the year to plan for taxes for next year and beyond? So head over to beerandmoney.net and there's a spot for you to answer that question. And I'd love to hear y'all's response uh, to that question. Um, If you have any questions though from today's episode, that's a great spot uh, to ask us the question um, from today's episode. So it's again, it's a contact us page. Uh, on the beerandmoney.net uh, website. Look, we, we started this podcast to give you, hopefully, adequate information to help you take actionable steps in your financial situation so you can live the life that you want so that you have the lifestyle and the family and, and the time that you want with your family specifically. So if you got any value out of this, share this with your friends, share it with your coworkers, share it with your family members. Right. I don't know how many times, like, especially this year, Alex, we've gotten a lot of introductions to our clients' parents mm-hmm. because of the estate planning conversations and, and those pieces, because those, those are not necessarily the easiest conversations to have or the easiest to set up. So share the episode if you got anything out of this, uh, because you're helping them out. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. 
please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-163387. Expiration October 2025.